1: The Biden administration approves more defense weapons for Ukraine. We've seen uh, that drones have been uh, uh, have been very effective. The New York Times admits Hunter Biden's laptop was real. We
2: had these records in late 2020 and they do raise some significant questions.
1: Decoupling from the globalization in the market. The public gives you tax dollars to a
3: school, says, hey, go spend it on food. But if you, the food costs too much money to buy in the United States, then you can import it.
1: This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, March 18th. I'm Mike Scott. We're keeping an eye on Ukraine, where Russia has announced it will not ask the U.N. Security Council to vote. Friday on its draft resolution on humanitarian relief for Ukraine. The resolution has been criticized for making no mention of Moscow's invasion of its neighbor. It will instead use the scheduled council session to again raise allegations that the United States has biological warfare laboratories in Ukraine, claims that Washington says are disinformation by Moscow. Heidi Levine, a photojournalist with The Washington Post, joined CNN to discuss the images that are keeping her up at night.
4: I even tried to help a, a woman um, to warm her hands and her shirt was showing and I could see that she was wearing geriatric diapers and to be honest, I mean I woke at three o'clock in the morning that after um, photographing um, that day and and you know, I was just having nightmares, and I and I think, I, I just can't imagine being on the other side of my camera.
1: Levine says even zoo animals aren't exempt from the terror of war.
4: I mean, even during our visit to the zoo, we could hear the sounds of sirens. We could hear explosions in the background. I know that Horace the elephant is a uh, um, is being given sedatives because he's absolutely frightened from from the noise, walking back and forth. I've heard that even uh, one of the keepers is sleeping with him at night to try to keep him calm.
1: Meantime, on the home front, the Biden administration will provide Ukraine with additional high-tech defensive weapons that are easily portable and require little training to use against Russian tanks, armored vehicles, and aircraft. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says air defense systems have been a more effective defense against Russian assaults, which have included cruise missiles, than a no-fly zone over Ukraine would be. Those were fired from actually inside of Russia, so uh, a no-fly zone would not have prevented that, uh, that activity. Austin says Russia has relied on rockets, missiles, and artillery in its offensive. They're using a lot of uh, of rockets and missiles and artillery and, and so uh, there are a number of things that can be used to uh, to counter that Austin went on to explain that Ukraine has used drones and counterfire effectively to blunt the russian assault we've seen uh, that drones have been uh, uh, have been very effective uh, we've also seen uh, having the ability to conduct counterfire uh, with uh, Uh, rockets and, uh, and artillery is also very effective. President Biden's condemnation of Russian President Vladimir Putin as a war criminal comes as Putin escalates attacks and as Biden's senior diplomats warn that Putin may launch a chemical weapons attack in Ukraine as he grows more desperate. Dr. Carol Lieberman, a psychiatrist known as the terrorist therapist, Joined the Mark Davis show on 660 a.m. in Dallas to try and get into the head of Russian President Vladimir Putin and explains why she believes things can get much more dangerous in Ukraine. Lieberman describes her diagnosis of Putin and why his childhood played a role.
2: Paranoid personality disorder and why I have diagnosed him with that, you know, I have never met Vladimir Putin, I would love to have him on my couch and and delve into his mind further, but but I have done research into him. Um, He grew up in war-torn Leningrad, and there was death and destruction all around him. His parents had been through the war and had been traumatized physically and psychologically. And they weren't able to show him the kind of affection and uh, warmth that he needed.
1: Lieberman went on to explain to the Salem Radio Network why Putin is so dangerous. If
2: he were p- pushed into a corner, which is what's happening to him, but if, if, he, fi- if he felt like he was pushed into the, a corner, uh, the final corner, so to speak, um, he would lash out, you know, with, with nuclear weapons, perhaps. Um, just like the rat, like he learned from the rat. And there are all kinds of other lessons that he learned. Um, And, you know, what? for example, he was bullied as a child. He was small, he was odd, and um, he was bullied by the schoolyard bullies. And so he took martial arts. Well, so when he was, all of these, there are various things, you know, a really uh, difficult traumatic childhood that made him promise himself that he was never going to be vulnerable again. That is the key.
1: Considering what she believes about Putin, does she think he is capable of using weapons of mass destruction?
2: I think he is capable of pushing the button um, if he were pushed into a corner enough...
1: not. Finally, Lieberman explains that Putin will likely never give up. I
2: think he would rather that than um, than than lose face than to go out a failure than to you know everybody saying uh, his. Well, not everybody, but I mean, there are these reports of, oh, he, he, he thought it was going to be easy and now he's losing the war. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go down with that legacy that he started a war, you know, he invaded Ukraine and he lost.
1: As the U.S. struggles with surging energy prices, Republicans say the Biden administration has slowed its approval of new oil and natural gas drilling leases on public lands. Senator Tom Cotton says that action is forcing the U.S. to reach out to our enemies. I will point out how absurd it is
3: to go to Nicolas Maduro, a man that the United States government does not even
1: recognize as the legitimate head of state in Venezuela, to ask him to produce more oil or to go to the Ayatollahs and hope that they'll produce more oil. Ken Raposa is an industry analyst from the Coalition for a Prosperous America and a senior contributor to Forbes magazine, covering China since 2011. He joined the Daybreak Insider podcast to discuss the importance of decoupling from globalization and the impact on American consumers. While many are focused on American energy independence, Raposa points out that Americans should also be aware that a lot of our food is not produced here at home either.
3: There's a clause in government spending. So government gives you tax dollars to a school, says, hey, go spend it on food. But if you, the food costs too much money to buy in the United States, then you could import it. So you've got to get rid of that clause And somehow figure out a way to make it so that you can buy in the United States. Otherwise, you're just going to import it everywhere. You're going to import like said, fish from Russian commercial fleets, you know, and, and China. Something's wrong about that, I think.
1: How is the war in Ukraine contributing to inflation here at home?
3: When you have a situation like a war in Russia, and then you're going to tell people that we're not going to import Russian oil you know, oil and gas, these are market-driven commodities, right? So the market, just think of the market as, you know, the stockbroker guy, right? So the market, they're saying, oh, there's going to be restrictions on oil and gas. Let's just drive up the price. And so sometimes this this has an immediate effect, obviously. But over time, hopefully over a few weeks, the market will reassess, right? And then you'll see gasoline prices come down.
1: Outside of punishing Russia for its aggression against Ukraine, Raposo believes that there is another message the U.S. is sending.
3: The United States is really, you know, throwing shots across the bow of China. So if China ever did something similar to Taiwan, China now sees how fast the United States moved in sanctioning Russia, okay, on different issues related to commerce, its own central bank banning access to its foreign reserves held in European and American banks, okay, that China does not want that to happen to them. So there's, you know, so, so I think a lot of this is really a shock across the of China.
1: While it was easy for American businesses to pull out of Russia, Raposa isn't so sure American businesses would be willing to withdraw from China should China invade Taiwan.
3: Imagine, as we said before, China and its ultimate folly was to storm the beach in Taiwan, which I don't think is going to happen. But let's pretend something similar happened. It would be interesting to see Disney saying, we're not opening Shanghai Disney this weekend, and we're not going to release the new Boba Fett series on Disney Channel out there. And Apple saying, we're not selling iPhones. It would be very interesting to see. They were quick to do that in Russia. I'm not convinced they would be as quick to do it in China, because, as you said, China is totally enmeshed in the U.S. economy, and it is the go-to market for those, two, for those companies that I mentioned Unlike Russia, which is sort of an afterthought for those guys.
1: Raposa goes on to explain how the average American can ensure their dollars are spent on American products.
3: American consumers, they have to be, and they are increasingly, more aware of where they're purchasing things from. Okay, they want to they talk about solar, they want to go solar, so they have to be aware, like, well, who in Congress is promoting solar? What kind of solar are they promoting? Well, they're promoting Chinese solar. They're killing American solar. They're not making policies that are beneficial to American solar. Biden just killed tariffs on solar that the Trump administration had in place.
1: And Raposa emphasizes that consumers should focus on buying as local as possible.
3: And just kind of focus more on the localism because that's that's the new trend, right? Globalization is falling by the wayside. There's going to be a a fight to the death to keep it going and make it bigger and better. But for the most part, the average person isn't fond of that trend doesn't like it, and it's detrimental to the United States, especially blue-collar workers in manufacturing. So consumers are strong, support local business, support local manufacturing, and then if you do that, you know, D.C. will see it. And not only that, but businesses will see it, and businesses will recognize that this is what the consumer wants.
1: A special thank you to Ken Raposo of the Coalition for a Prosperous America for joining the Daybreak Insider podcast. Learn more at prosperousamerica.org and follow Ken on Twitter at B-R-I-C, Breaker. So, it was real after all. The New York Times publishing a story on the ongoing Department of Justice investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop and foreign business dealings. In the story, the Times confirms Hunter Biden's laptop, full of salacious information and photos, is indeed authentic. Catherine Herridge is CBS's senior investigative correspondent.
2: We were able to obtain records that we believe came from Hunter Biden's laptop. We had these records in late 2020, and they do raise some significant questions about his tax strategy and also his intentions to register for FARA under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. The the difficulty is that you can't have full context on these records, which not only included legal documents, but also emails, because you don't have all of the records. But what we can say is that the U.S. attorney in Delaware has issued a number of subpoenas to not only get his internal emails, but also these tax and bank records.
1: During the 2020 presidential election, the New York Post first reported on the laptop and its contents. The post was banned from Twitter for weeks after being accused of spreading misinformation. The Centers for Disease Control has changed its data, representing the number of children who died from COVID-19. The CDC removed a total of 30,000 COVID deaths, reducing pediatric deaths by around 24%. In small print at the bottom of a report, they cited a coding error as the reason for incorrectly inflated numbers. Last fall, CDC director Dr. Rochelle Walensky announced the government agency would reevaluate how virus deaths are counted and differentiate between individuals who died from the disease versus those who died with the disease.
5: Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown?
2: Um, yes, of course. With Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be
1: forthcoming. Meantime, Chief Medical Advisor Anthony Fauci says that officials need more than 22.5 billion dollars that the White House originally requested from Congress for more COVID nineteen response. Russia's war in Ukraine will disrupt commerce and clog up supply chains, slashing economic growth, pushing prices sharply higher around the globe. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development was out with a warning Thursday. In a grim new assessment, the 38-country group said over the next year the conflict would reduce gross domestic product the broadest measure of economic output, by 1.08% worldwide and 0.88% in the U.S. OECD Secretary General Matthias Cormann says it's important for finance leaders to take steps to stabilize commodities markets, to compensate for losses from Ukraine and Russia. Given available global supplies for some commodities,
0: such as wheat, the extent of the current price spikes do not appear to reflect real, actual supply shortages. It is essential, then, that we keep markets open and operating freely in order to stabilize prices and to ensure existing supplies can reach those places where they're most needed.
1: Corman went on to say that the prolonged fighting in Ukraine will have a severe impact on the global supply chain and push inflation even higher. The
0: war is causing a strong supply shock, which adds to inflationary pressures and disruptions already caused by the COVID-19 crisis. There is the significant negative impact on confidence, which in turn will negatively impact private consumption and business investment decisions.
1: There's no relief in sight for the West record-shattering mega drought, which will likely only deepen this spring according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. It gave its seasonal outlook on Thursday and Daybreak Insider's Jennifer King has more on that story.
2: The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is forecasting hotter than normal weather for the majority of U.S. states in April, May, and June. The government's spring outlook calls for wetter weather around the Great Lakes, but less flooding overall, and a continued dry spell for the West. John Gottschalk with NOAA's Climate Prediction Center says 60 percent of the nation is in some form of drought already. In California, three-year rain and snow levels will likely reach the lowest on record since 1922. At the Department of Agriculture, meteorologists say producers will have some tough decisions about what to grow and what to keep alive. NOAA's climate scientists attribute the warming trend to La Nina, a natural periodic cooling in the Central Pacific, and climate change. Jennifer King, Washington.
1: And finally, Eugene Parker, the pioneering astrophysicist whose name graces NASA's Parker Solar Probe mission, has died. Parker's work focused on understanding the Sun.
5: Stars are complicated things you can't imagine all the strange things that have been discovered in the Sun.
1: Parker remembers being an adult when he first theorized about
5: solar wind. When I first stumbled across the mathematics and established the solar wind it was 1957 I was 30 years old.
1: It wasn't always easy for the physicist He remembers his first paper on the solar wind being rejected by the scientific
5: community. When I wrote the first paper, as far as I was concerned, it was open and shut. I remember how upset the referee was that Chandrasekhar, the editor, sent my first paper to. And he said, this is ridiculous. And before you write a scientific paper, you should at least take the trouble of going to the library and reading up on the subject.
1: However, in the end... Parker was proven right, and he has his name on a NASA probe. It is my great honor, a few days before your 90th birthday,
0: uh, Gene, to announce that we're renaming the Solar Probe Plus spacecraft to be known from now on as the Parker Solar Probe. Congratulations.
1: Eugene Parker was 94.